Hey everybody, welcome to the 16th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Yes, that's right, our four-month anniversary, and we are not going anywhere because all the madness in the world is not stopping anytime soon, as evidenced by my earlier trip to the beach today, and holy shit, we are in trouble. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. I'm going to be your host for this episode, and as always, I am joined by the ever-reluctant managing editor of the site, uh, and a man who it took 12 hours to watch Hamilton because his son turned into the Incredible Hulk today and literally leveled half of his house. Al Manorino, how you doing, buddy? My God, imagine it was literally. Uh, it felt like it, though. Uh, I'm great. I literally uh, got a haircut, worked a full day of work, and went food shopping, and you had not finished Hamilton. Well, two two things. One, the haircut looks great. Thank you. And it was uh, kudos to Father's Mustache in Spring Lake, New Jersey, for being super cautious. My my hair cutter had gloves, a mask, and a face shield, and thoroughly disinfected everything. So I felt really good about myself. You you look like a an Asbury hipster, so I don't uh, take that as you will. Eh, I mean, it's could be, look like a douchebag, but I mean, I was yeah. gonna say, too. I I'm already doing that. So, Speaking of Asbury, yeah, we have who some me and you would call the Queen of Asbury Park. She is actually, and we're celebrating four months on this on the podcast, the first non pop break person to be on this podcast she's one of our favorite people and that is undeniable miss kelly mcgovern welcome to the podcast thank you hi everybody now (laughs) insert clapping yes there were people here we'd clap um so just a little background we'll leave parties anonymous but al kelly and i all worked in politics believe it or not um, what feels like another lifetime ago, Al was in swaddling clothes, the same age as his son, I think two, maybe. Um, and we all worked together, like I said, in politics, we'll leave it out just for the sake of, uh, our sanity actually. And, uh, we just all bonded over our love of pop culture, um, really good food in Asbury Park. And really good food in Asbury Park. The three of us would always just be like, bye, we're all taking lunch at the same time, and just gorge ourselves on Epicurean delights that line the streets of Cookman Avenue. So, Kelly, how you been holding up in all this, man? Uh, well, I've been uh, hanging in there best I can, really, uh, you know, trying to hunker down, social distance, uh... It hasn't been too bad for the likes of myself because I am fairly introverted. So, Reed, you know, you hate all people. I hate all people. So, this has kind of worked in my favor. It's actually, uh, you know, been kind of a vacation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I miss uh, my close friends. It's been weird not being able to give hugs. But you also, so I lied actually. You actually do have a direct pop break connection because you redesigned our logo, which is at the top of our website. That is true. So, oh wow, yep, I, I did totally, that. Totally forgot <laughs> I about like I, that. I feel like I knew that. 
<laughs> so that was uh, what uh, five. Five years ago? It four, was a really four long years time ago. ago. 2016, yep. And you, uh, so Kelly is a designer. So if you have any designing needs, you know, hit us up and, you know, we'll put you in contact with Kelly because no one contacts Kelly directly. We're going to bet you first. Um, but Kelly is also a huge, uh, one of the things, like, since I, you know, stopped working with you slash got fired, uh, was you're a huge independent movie head. You are always out there. Uh, promoting, especially the showroom in Asbury Park. Um, you might put those guys over because they're doing a lot of good stuff. And I know right now it's tough for people to get you know, like movie theaters to get any sort of traction or money right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right now uh, the showroom and, uh, you know, I know a lot of other indie theaters are kind of running on this platform of uh, virtual movies. And so you can go on the showroom cinemas.com uh, or, you know, whatever indie theater you might have in your neighborhood that you want to support. Um, usually they'll end up having a roster of, you know, a good five to 10 movies. Uh, you can pay for the ticket and they'll get a fraction of that price. Uh, the showroom specifically is working with Magnolia Selects right now. I don't know the code that you put in, but when you sign up for a Magnolia Selects subscription, you just go to the showroom site. They have their code listed. You would put that in the promo section. And I believe it was um, really however long this shutdown is going for. I think they've extended it. Um, they will get 100% of those proceeds, whoever signs up. So that's pretty good because that's a great library of films. Magnolia Pictures, a uh, big shout out to them. They were the first like movie like studio distributor you know house that ever worked with Pop Break, and that's how uh, I, I remember I did a couple screenings for them uh, with them, and uh, that's how I saw that's how I met Keanu Reeves at one time. Oh it wow! A, it was a glorious, glorious day. Um, but that is awesome. Oh, he's he's a he's an angel in disguise, uh, but. Moving on from there, we have some topics we want to hit because on Saturday night, we got hit with the kingpin of seriously, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Uh, that, this seriously, what the fuck is brought to you by Twitter on a Saturday night. Yes, while the bombs were literally bursting in air, I don't know about you guys, but I sat in my backyard with uh, my family and we watched as fireworks went off everywhere and my dog hid under a bed. Um, Kanye West, you know, because we hadn't heard from him in a hot minute, declared he is running for president. And this is not the first time we had heard this from Kanye. We had heard it for 2024, but this time he says, I'm in the game right now for 2020. Um, I mean, I just want to keep saying seriously what the fuck, but Kelly, when you heard this news, what was your knee-jerk reaction? Um, well, I held myself back from hurling my body from a window. I thought you were going to say, I just held myself. <laughs> I just held my, <laughs> just and then clutched. I just held myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, still working within the sphere of politics, it really got to me because at this point it is incredibly late in the game to be, you know, throwing that out there. 
Um, you know, as we're hearing now, you know, the news is coming out. The paperwork hasn't been filed, but Elon Musk is uh, really raring to back this guy. It is, um, it's like, let's take all of the crazy and just put it all together. Just manifest it. It just, it, you know, it, it really, it, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> It's my brain broke. Al, um, I know this has been a day for you, and this is a big subject. And like you, you're you're barely holding it together right now. How did how did this news hit you on a, on a Fourth of July Saturday night? I mean, it's honestly from the last four months. It's like oh, okay, makes sense. To, yeah, to me, it was like on par with that bald eagle carrying a shark over the beaches of Myrtle Beach. I mean, honestly, we could have done the, the seriously WTF about that. Well, we're instead. now we're now talking about it. <laughs> that was the, that was crazy. Uh, I've been to Myrtle Beach a few times and I'm like, I know exactly where that is. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I, my, my favorite, my favorite tweet from, from that happening over the weekend um, was from uh, the artist boss logic uh, who, if you guys have never seen a Boss Logic poster, yeah, uh, do yourself a favor, follow Boss Logic on Instagram or Twitter. Like He's a home phenomenal character. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It sounds I like know. <laughs> I feel like one day the three of us are just going to do a Homestar Runner retrospective podcast. One day. Oh please, <laughs> do you, please you, can we? Bill, do you see the shirt that I got that says uh, the the Trogdor Gym? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I got the that. same one. Yep. It's great. It's I, I definitely um, had a strong bad shirt at some point in college. Um, good to know. Uh, but yeah, Boss Logic tweeted out, now 2020 has eagles doing airstrikes using sharks. Like, yeah, again, what else What else is going to happen? People are it's like, just, I guess yeah. Sharknado is real now. Oh, um, yeah. As someone who well, reviewed every one of those Sharknado films, that was way better than any of the Sharknado films. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Kanye... Kanye uh, 2020 uh i guess where do i start you know where do i sign up to start campaigning for him i guess no i'm kidding the i got of your mind. god i god i hope this um i hope this isn't real that's my that I was gonna be my next question is do you guys think this is just a okay so i i remember back in 96 or 2000 i can't remember what year it was hulk hogan was said i'm running for president oh yeah yeah and it's just it never happened and Macho Man Randy Savage said he was running for president. And, you know, it's it's a publicity stunt. So, Kelly, I'm going to go to you first. Is this re- Do you think this is for real? Is this for real life, as my daughter would say? Or is this just a publicity stunt? I think it's a publicity stunt. I think it is going to be as short-lived as the Murder Hornets back in, when was that, Dude, April? shut your butt. Just, that's the way it happened. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard anything about it. They were trying to sidetrack us. Yeah, I, 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 um, I my conspiracy yeah. mind is like that's all just trying to shift focus <laughs> from something else. Or they tried yeah, to. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think no anything's coming shit. from this. <laughs> Say Ow. that again, Kelly. Uh, no, what was the last part you said? Um, I don't think anything's going to come from this. I really, I think it's going to be a couple news cycles. I really think the best thing everyone could do is to stop reporting about it and like putting it on the news. Cause I think just 
the attention alone is gonna keep him, you know, lit up and saying more stuff. But as of right now, like I said, the papers the paperwork isn't filed, so he's not official. Maybe he could run third party, but that's not gonna amount to anything if he does. Yeah. Um I think yeah, it's definitely promotional. He he just released he had just released a song I think a mm-hmm. few days earlier from his upcoming album. Um, let's not even promote it; doesn't matter. Um, and then the thing I'm worried about though is yeah, it's just taking up like time away from the actual election and mm-hmm. like, you know and not again. We are really not a political podcast. We really don't want to get into that. Yeah, but, but I mean, this is this is literally like pop culture walking into. I mean, we have a president who was in like it's pop culture. He yeah. was a pop culture yeah. figure. So of course, for sure, um, he's in the I'm, WWE I'm, I'm, Hall of Fame. Come on, it's <laughs> disgusting. But anyway, yes. I I think instead of getting into like the that p- political aspect of it, I think like if by some chance that this is real. Um, people are going to vote for him and take votes away from actual candidates um, because either just for shits and giggles or they actually like really, really are a big fan of him. And then I think the Elon Musk thing is a little strange that they're taking pictures with together. Now Now he's like supporting him. Like, is he the VP? Is he the VP uh, potential? Uh, oh, man. It makes me physically ill to see these two people constantly in the news cycle for like dumb shit. Yes. It's not like, you know, I'm in the news cycle because I'm Elon Musk. I'm one of the richest people in the world. I own these companies and I just did this really good thing. It's like, like no, I smoked a blunt with fucking Joe Rogan or I named my kid uh, a vowel or a series of them. It's like, and then Kanye is, like, you know, I mean, he's right up there with him. I mean, he's, um, you know, super, Trump supporter visiting the White House talking nonsense. He's bipolar and nothing against people who are bipolar, but uh, he's like it like that being part of the news cycle. And um, it's it's nuts. It's really like it's going to take attention away from uh, the actual 2020 election. And we don't need that. We had a great candidate who I was obsessed with, and I know Kelly was a big fan of too. Uh, he's gone, and now yeah, we're gonna who, have who, you know who, what was who was that candidate? Oh, Mister Mister Bernie Sanders. Oh, uh, oh, don't like actual, don't leave me don't leave Greybeard out of this one. I was a big I'm, I'm I voted for him in the but primaries. I know, I, I'm I know a big Kelly, Bernie guy. I know Kelly's a big Bernie guy, and um, again, not just political, but we have uh, Trump in office currently. He's going to run for re-election. We have Biden, and like. That's kind of it in terms of the news cycle, in terms of people giving a shit. Um, and now we have potentially, you know, uh, Kanye 2020. And that's like not what we need right now in such a divided uh, country. I, uh, I agree with you guys. It's, it's not it's it would be if if this was legit and he is running and he, he will be he would make it to the it would make it more of a circus than it already is, because, you know, he is not he will say outlandish things. For the sake of being outlandish, um, sometimes he believes in some of the outlandish things he says. Uh, my wife pointed out that Kim Kardashian could also be first lady and uh, attorney general since she is going to law school. Um, but you know, man, it's uh, if this comes down to election day, this is I think this is almost a would be a layup for Trump to re, to win the election again because I think 
I, I, and I don't, I, I just have that gut feeling and I honestly don't want that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I think Kanye, if this is for real, it's just, you know, this is a serious election, serious consequences and him running. I don't think he has a plan or platform and that would just take away from, you know, a, a monumental election. And, you know, let's Al, you had a great tweet that, you know, a future a potential future president easy, uh, got a bailout, uh, for his company. So, I mean, like you can't run a company. I don't think, um, you probably had a great point there. You were, I did. I did. <laughs> and I don't want to mess it up. I don't think he has a struggling company. I think he got a bailout. I don't, I don't know how you have to prove to people that you need a PPP as, as someone who was uh, working for a company that got it, it helped save I a bunch of jobs for like yeah. two months, three months, um, you know, that we wouldn't have had, uh, you know, in April. Like I was able to keep my job uh, from uh, April through uh, June. And that was because of the PPP loan. Uh, have you seen how quickly Yeezy sell out? They're still making them and they're still, I mean, like his company, whatever he's doing, he just signed a giant deal with Gap to make affordable clothing. He also has a ton of money that he it was like two million dollars. That's like nothing for Kanye West. So, well, supposedly he has spent a lot. He has spent a lot, according to the Kim Kardashian. According, listen, my wife is very plugged into what the Kardashians does. That is her TV junk food, um, and uh, I've regaled these woes to Callie many a times. About my wife's mm-hmm. reality TV addiction, um, that Kim's the one bringing in a lot of money allegedly. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I just think this is kind of ridiculous that Kanye is running, and I, I really want to see. I know we all joke that, like, remember on SNL they had the Hanks Rock ticket for like 2020 or 2024. Um, I, I want to see celebrities just stop running, stop saying you're going to run, stop saying you're going. If you want to get in politics, get in on the, the ground floor. Um, do what Jesse Ventura did. No, no, I'm kidding. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just want to see the end of these celebrities running for office because it don't work. Nope. It don't work, Dad. Two people get that reference, and they probably aren't going to listen to this podcast. Um, but I think we've given a lot of time, more time and credence than I think any of us can actually physically stomach for for Kanye. <laughs> And his presidency. And I think we need to get into a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! A slice of fried gold this week was the trailer that Kelly first listened to uh, without audio, I I was told, uh, for the new HBO Max release, An American Pickle, starring Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen. Which will be released, like I said, it was originally destined for theaters, but due to everything happening, uh, HBO Max optioned it, and it should be coming out in the next few months. To pick, uh, the uh, the pickle dropped uh, last week, and for everyone who wants to, um, you guys ever hear the the uh, story about like Christmas pickles? Like people will put them in a tree, and if you find the pickle, mm-hmm. you get the first present. Thanks, Kelly. You're old. You get that old school Irish family. <laughs> Here for you. You know what it is. Um, so it's about an immigrant, uh, played by Seth Rogen, who's married to Sarah Snook from HBO Succession, which Matt Taylor, on our last issue, uh, episode, I should say, uh, put over huge. Kelly, I think 
Are you a fan of Succession, right? I am, yes. It's a good show. Al, and mm-hmm. you started it, right? I did. I need to uh, it's continue intense. it. It's intense. It's intense. If you're not in the mood for intense, wait till you are. Definitely worth your time. They come to America. He gets a job working in a pickle factory and accidentally, uh, Seth Rogen, and he his character falls into a, a pickle brine vat and is basically pickled for like a hundred years and then meets his great, great, great grandson, a modern day Brooklyn hipster, bringing the hipsters back uh, from earlier in the episode. And um, it's about them living in the now, opening their own pickle company. And, and as Seth Rogen movies tend to go, there's a lot of emotion involved. So Kelly, what did you think of the trailer for American Pickle? And then I'm going to follow that up with your overall thoughts on Seth Rogen movies in general. Um, so my first viewing, which was without sound, just going by the subtitles, I, uh, was not sure of which tone he was going for. Um, one example I'm going to throw out there is, uh, observe and report when that first came out, I feel like the trailer led you to believe it was going to be really funny Yes. And when I ended up watching it, I think I was in college at the time, um, it ended up being vastly darker than any of us expected. Like, we probably laughed, you know, maybe a little bit towards the beginning and, you know, a couple times in between. But it was a pretty heavy movie for what I was used to with Seth Rogen movies. So, um... This looks like it could be a bit of both. It definitely looks like it has his, you know, like jovial humor, um, self-depreciating humor. But um, it also looks like it gets pretty deep and pretty emotional. And it deals with, you know, family and loss and depression and stuff. So overall, you know, it looks, I'd say, like a pretty uh, pretty good looking movie. And, and, and your overall take on Seth Rogen movies in general, are you are generally a fan of Seth Rogen or... No. Um, I'd have to say, like, I don't, I don't necessarily go seeking his movies out when, um, you know, a few big ones come out, uh, like the really funny looking ones. Um, I would see them with my friends. Overall, I generally enjoy his movies. Um, I don't really have any bad takes on him. Um, or his movies, they're always a pretty good time. What was the one that uh, with the interview? Remember that? Oh, that was the one he did with. Um... Yes, uh, I do remember Sorry. that. Franco, Franco, who yeah, was Franco. sort of, who was sort of, sort of, kind of canceled. Um, yeah, but I remember when we worked together. I remember pitching that as an idea for a story, but like we should do something on the interview, and I had to fight like the Dickens, yes, the Dickens, ladies and gentlemen, to get that <laughs> through because that was that was that was insane. That was like I remember that was like, are we going to war over this movie? Yeah, that was pretty wild. That that one blew up and um you know it it definitely felt like it could have been a little bit of a publicity thing except that we know the other person we were dealing with is super duper like sensitive tyrant so it definitely uh you know it probably oh, I thought you meant the guy, we, the guy we work with. And I was like, oh, right. right, he, he was. <laughs> That's why I got fired. <laughs> yeah, it's a mirror image. <laughs> Absolutely, they look kind of alike, too. Oh, yeah, for I hope, sure. I hope our, our, our still co-worker 
listens to this podcast. Um, Al, what's your thoughts on the trailer for American Pickle? And I then follow up with your thoughts on Rogan in general. Uh, first off, Sensitive Tyrant sounds like an awesome band name. That you <laughs> totally would listen to. Right? I totally would. I have this uh, ongoing list of band names that I come up with, like stupid shit like that. None of them are good. But but one day, I'm going to get drunk enough to, to, right. to do that and yes. listen on this uh, podcast. I am a huge uh, Rogan fan. I actually interviewed him uh, a few years back for the Sorry. pop break. Uh, and a... Kind of a couple times, actually, for, for Preacher we oh, did, yes. and uh, we did for Future Man. And that was more of a one on, uh, kind of one-on-one thing. That was Future Man was more, yeah, the, the uh, Preacher one was a uh, round table. It was like a panel, I should say. Yeah, I got to ask him about the uh, the Invincible movie that he was, uh, that he's still attached to, and I think they're still doing, question mark, but we'll never see it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've seen pretty much every movie that he's done, um, whether either uh, directing or starring in, usually uh, both. This one's interesting. Uh, I am intrigued by the premise because it's like, like Kelly said, it's it's got like the Seth Rogen charm and humor, but it's also kind of, you know, it's got a serious take as well. Um, if anyone uh, hasn't seen Longshot yet, which is one of his most recent movies, uh, it's great. Uh, great movie with Charlie Saron. It's like a kind of like a typical rom com, but uh, just two great performances and a really fun supporting cast that like make it like shine. Uh, this looks like really, like I said, like really interesting. Um, and the thing that uh, the thing that struck me the most from the trailer and just going through the IMDb too is like it's almost like a cast of kind of unknowns or, or people who are really not. Uh, you know, I have not been in a ton of movies, uh, especially movies with him. And I really think it's because of the the dual performances from him that they that HBO is really just uh, trying to show off. And, I'm, you know, I'm excited for that. I don't know why HBO is in the game of these dual performances, though, because that's a lot. Yeah, like Ruffalo. The, that one? the Dukes. Franco again, which uh, mm-hmm. is great. Um, yeah, and Ruffalo, and then of course uh, Rogan. So I don't know if that's like a criteria now for them, but uh, you know, I'll definitely check it out. Looks good. It's the Jean Claude Van Damme effect. Oh yeah, I don't know what has that. What does that have to do with HBO? Well, but. no, Van, but like looking at go back to Jean Claude Van Damme. We're talking about him on a podcast right now. Is uh, all his movies? He's played twins multiple times. At least four or five times in his movies. He did uh, Time Cop, played himself, two different versions of himself. Double Impact, played twins. Uh, I've seen a lot of Van Damme movies, by the way. And, and there's a, at least a Maximum Risk, he played uh, twins. Yeah, there's a couple other ones. He's played both good and bad guy, as well as twins, multiple times. And I don't know why that's a thing he does, but he does. Jean-Claude Van Damme, everybody. Yes. Thank you for the uh, the Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, the only thing is like Time Cop like, retrospective. Uh, I, yeah, I know Time Cop is cool because like that gives has like that premise that theory of like if you're time traveling you can't come into physical contact with your uh, past self or you'll like explode. That's mm-hmm. like something like, I know Family Guy has used that and stuff like that. So so that's where that comes from. What's What's your take on it, Bill? Like, are, are, I mean, I don't know how many I, Rogan movies you've seen. You I've know, seen, I'm a I've big seen fan. A lot. Uh, I remember yeah. when Knocked Up came out, when I was working at a, a magazine down the Jersey Shore, like, we were getting screenings and promos and, like, all sorts of stuff for that. And uh, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, who the 
I'm like, who the hell is Seth Rogen? Because uh, I didn't watch Freaks and Geeks. I had no frame of reference on him. Uh, but his, his I, big his big thing was Forty Old Virgin before that. And yes. that was like his. That yeah. kind of was like, all right, this is your first big big movie because the other movie that he did before that I think was like You Mean Dupree, and he had like a minor. He was yeah, like a he's minor always character been a big guy. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like I, you know, I love Knocked Up. I love Super Bad. Um, uh, this is the end. I thought it was really funny. Uh, I don't it's know. If so you, good. It, it really is good. Uh, I don't know if I've caught too much. Of it. I like Zach and Mary. I know it's a, a Kevin Smith one. A lot of people kind of like you know. I I love that. I that, liked it a lot. That is such an underrated movie, and it's. I mean, there's. It's so quotable too. Uh, it, it's definitely worth a rewatch. It's funny when you think of Seth Rogen too. I'm just gonna pull up some more of his movies. It's like. For some reason, I was Wikipediaing Megan Fox for some reason. Why? I think she was like trending on Twitter. And I'm like looking something up. Oh, it was the whole thing with Michael Bay. There was a big her being cast. That's what it was. Um, yeah, I like look at like Seth Rogen. It's been a while since I, I've seen some of his stuff. And but I remember because I remember I saw him. And I'm like, oh, that's that rando guy with the curly hair from Donnie Darko. Because he was in that too. But yeah, I haven't seen much of his. Uh, the last movie, full movie I've seen of his is Sausage Party, which is quite the. Uh, yeah, wow, that goes to a place. Yeah, especially the end. That goes to a place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like Seth Rogen a lot, and uh, this this movie could is interesting. I think HBO Max was like is definitely hunting for a lot of content. I get HBO Max, uh, you know, PR uh, press releases all the time. And they are constantly adding content. And I actually like HBO Max as a streaming uh, platform. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet or not. Yeah, I got it because uh, they have all of the Studio Ghibli stuff. So they definitely do. <laughs> I was there on day one. Yes. And uh, they actually have, uh, uh, they have an anime I watched when I was in high school called Kenshin. Uh, that I, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and that was like all mm-hmm. 100 episodes. I'm like, Ooh, do I start this again? I'm like, that's a hundred episodes. I'm not going to watch this again. <laughs> I was in high school. I didn't have a life. Um, but, um, yeah, I like Seth Rogen a lot. And I, I like what they're doing here. I'm definitely going to check this out when it comes to HBO Max because I think it's got, like, a nice – It's I like the, the dual performance here because I like what it can offer. And um, I'm more interested, I guess, in the Seth Rogen, the now Seth Rogen, uh, like the modern-day Seth Rogen, not the – formerly pickled Seth Rogen because I feel like <laughs> there's a lot that has to be unpacked there. And I, mm-hmm. I liked one of my favorite Seth Rogen performances is actually his performance in 50, 50, uh, with, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt where it was like, he was still funny, but there was a more of a serious tone to his character in that performance. And I really liked that one a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Are you guys going to check uh, American pickle when it comes out on, on the max? Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. So I, I could see him. It's interesting how this is going to shake out for award season since it's going to max. Like, will they consider it a movie for Oscars or will it be for Emmys? Because if it's going to be considered up for Emmy consideration, I could definitely see him if this movie does well and gets critically acclaimed. Like, I could see Seth Rogen being up for an Emmy. Now, if this is up for Oscar consideration, I don't know if I could, would say the same thing. Because mm-hmm. uh, not as many... Uh, Actually, I don't even actually. You know what? I'll take that back. Twenty twenty is fucking weird. So we have no idea what's coming out in the movies this year. So, or if there even is going to be Oscars. So, I'll walk that back. All right. So that was a slice of fried gold. 
we're now going to go into music in a time of quarantine. Ah! Oh, the horns up for that. So this crushed uh, it as always. I, I, God, I have such dulcet tones. It's like crushed it's velvet insane. coming out of my mouth. And uh, so you know, this segment we talk about music. Uh, it could be new, it could be old. It's stuff we're getting getting us through quarantine right now. So Kelly. Um, I've always admired your taste in music, man, because it's it's eclectic as hell. And so, what is what have you been listening to recently uh, during quarantine that's been you know getting you through all this craziness? Recently, I have been listening to one album and one album only, and that is Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> Who newest album on the popbreak.com. Thank you, Christian Bischoff. <laughs> Um, yeah, that has been, I think it's been out for three weeks now. Um, it released a day early. She dropped it a day early and, uh, you could listen to it if you prove that you donated to one of several different campaigns that she had listed, uh, social justice, um, LGBTQIA support. Um, there's, you know, a handful of them. So if you donated, you can listen to it a day early. So that's what I did. And I've been listening to it ever since. It runs 40 minutes. You can listen to it 36 times in a day. Have you done that? And cry. <laughs> uh, it's called Punisher. And what's uh, yes. what's the song you would recommend off of Punisher? Um, Garden Song. That was one of the singles. I think it might have been one of the first singles that came out for this album. Um, but it is absolutely fantastic uh she has a line in the very beginning of the song where she talks about moving into a house on a hill and if your skinhead neighbor goes missing she's gonna plant a garden so there's uh lots of midsummer vibes going on with that there's uh lots of you know current tension that we're all feeling in our neighborhoods. You've had that in America. Been, you've been carrying that midsummer vibe for about a year now, man. I appreciate. I've that. been going strong, Florence Pugh. We're going to talk about her later. Yeah, man. I still have not seen Midsummer, and I am that is definitely a blind spot for me. It. Uh, I just ordered the A twenty four. Just released the director's cut. Um, going to be on Blu-ray. It's going to be on Blu-ray, and they have it in like this beautifully designed cloth case with a booklet that comes with, I think it's like 60 images or 60 stills or something that's printed in it. Um, just lots of extra stuff. Uh, it looks really, really incredible. So I ended up pre-ordering that like right when they dropped that information. <laughs> I'm surprised Age 24 just doesn't send you stuff now. I know they should, they should, they really should. You're the queen of film. You absolutely should. Al, I'm like almost, I'm regretting asking you what you, what are you listening <laughs> to right now? Oh man. Uh, you know, I, I didn't give it enough. Uh, I didn't give it enough play the last podcast. So I'm just going to just reemphasize how good the new Dua Lipa album is. Uh, future nostalgia. I thought you were going to go 1975 again, but I'm glad you went there. No, no. Um, yeah, I got I got that right too. Is it future nostalgia or future nostalgic? I have to double check. But god damn it, this album is fire. It's so good. It's crazy good. Like that, I don't give uh, enough. Like I haven't really been listening to a lot of new music. 
during quarantine. Like my music listening and my podcast listening as someone who is quote unquote a podcaster, uh, significantly down during quarantine Same. because yeah. of there's, I don't have my commute anymore. My commute was, it was me time where I can listen to, you know, two hour plus podcasts or I can catch up on albums. And even at work, you know, while I was doing work, I was able to knock out like albums in the background and like try to discover more stuff. Now it's a lot harder with like a screaming child running around who constantly needs attention or we are trying to do a, a family activity, which has been uh, a blessing and a half. Uh, but just, it's, it's weird that you don't have the me time. So um, I, and like, I would also, it would have played, music when i play video games but i've been playing a lot of uh you know uh, stuff online with friends so i need to communicate with them Don't really listen well, a lot let's stuff. correct that yeah <laughs> it's one friend it's it's the guy who edits this podcast <laughs> it's it's lucas and a couple other friends okay um but the time that i have been listening to music is um in the car rides to um the shore um, on the weekends and trying to find, uh, you know, stuff that my wife and I can both listen to, um, and not want to murder each other over. So for the longest time, for the million years that we've been together, it was always like nineties pop because that's when we grew up and we like all that music or nineties alternative or whatever. Uh, pop rocks is a great station on Sirius when I yep. used to have that. Cause it's like right in the sweet spot. But, um, I think ever since the, the, the new Lady Gaga album uh, came out, Chromatica, um, that has like opened the door of like, oh, what else new should we listen to? And then we, uh, you know, discovered Dua Lipa and like every song is crazy, crazy good. So I'm going to recommend uh, Levitating off the Dua Lipa album. It's so good. Cool. So my recommendation, uh, I actually hadn't been listening to a lot of music recently, but uh, there was a great article. I don't know who... T- tweeted it but it's from npr and the article it's a great article it's by lizzie goodman it's called 20 years ago the white stripes made an album for no one and it is about she wrote that she wrote, uh, she, she, she wrote um one of my favorite books um uh meet me in the bathroom i was going to reference that um well, and well, I, fuck I, you. I well i know you love that book you mentioned on the podcast right. for and i think i actually need to grab grab that book because that i do like that type of music um, it's the White Stripes, the style, which is their second record. Um, uh, true fact in real life, I remember hearing, um, fell in love with the girl and I was like, this band fucking blows. I hate the White Stripes. Oh my God. And, uh, well, listen, I was meathead metal, Limp Bizkit, new metal shit. So my best friend in the entire world, Vic, who will probably not be listening to this podcast, um, he, one summer, I think summer of 2002 or three, was like, you're going to listen to the White Stripes every time I see you. And he played all their records for me every single day until I was beaten into submission that I like this band. And I go back, I can remember buying to style uh, at the former Sam Goody at the bottom of Easton Avenue by the train station at Rutgers University. Kelly, I don't know if that store was even there when you went to Rutgers, uh, but it's right by across from what was now Red's Beer Garden or whatever it was. It was like that barbecue joint for a hot minute. I Man, think, everything has changed so much about that area. So uh, I don't. It, I feel like it sounds like something that I might have gone to. Yeah, it's like if you go all the way down Easton Avenue and it's right before the train bridge, 
It's like it was right on the corner. It used to be a record store, I think, owned by the guys from the Smithereens. Then it became a Sam Goody. And then it went out of business and it was like an empty lot for like a long time. Then I think now I think it's like a like a faux 25 burgers type place. Right. But I had money to burn. Went down there, bought it. It's great if you love that like – I don't know. Like I like that early White Stripes stuff a lot better than I like Raconteurs and like solo mm-hmm. Jack White stuff. Um, it's just this gritty, bluesy, you know – just rock and roll man like it's just electric and it's messy and it's awesome and um if you've never given it a listen if you only know the white stripes for like seven nation army fell in love with a girl or um blue orchid like definitely dive into that catalog because that early stuff from the white stripes the self-titled record from 99 to style and red white blood cells there's a lot of great stuff on there i'm trying to think it's tough call to say what my favorite song off there is um, it's probably Hello Operator. That's a, it's probably my favorite off of there. You're Pretty Good Looking for a Girl is also great. Apple Blossom is really great. Death Letter is really good. Um, it's just like when you listen to the White Stripes, you're just taken back to a time where it's like, wow, this was like, I can't believe this was one of the most popular bands in the world at one time, and it was two people. And then nothing has really sounded that much like them since. It's like they're very unique onto themselves, and I, I'm look when they reunite, if they ever do reunite, and we can go to concerts again, that thing is like sellouts around the world, guaranteed. So that is my the style from the White Stripes is my recommendation for this episode. Now we go on to the watch list, and we have to talk about the elephant in the room, the biggest release. A release that saw a 72% increase in Disney Plus app downloads in a span of like two days. It's something like 200,000 plus, um, almost, I think actually over a quarter million downloads uh, for Disney Plus. It is the release of Hamilton. It was Oh man, I thought it was the release of the Mighty Ducks. Because <laughs> that, also, that also dropped on Disney Plus. I'm telling you, when the Mighty Ducks series drops... Time is going to stop. That's right. That, that I mean, and with Emilio. Yeah. And Joshua Emilio. Jackson, what are you doing with yourself besides growing a fantastic beard? Get in on that. Like, they need to bring back the band for a lot of that, except for Goldberg, because that didn't go too well for him. No, that did not. No, it did no. not. Uh, yeah. I think. Not, I, yeah. I want to see a Bash Brothers reunion. Of course. But. Uh, the OG Bash Brothers. You mean Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco? Mm, listen, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Watch list recommendation right here. Let's talk about Hamilton in two seconds. Everyone's the, talking about it. We can be fine. The, the, the Bash Brothers, uh, uh, on Netflix, the Bash Brothers Lonely Island. We've talked um, about this on this podcast, yes. We have? Yes. I mean, you're the, you're the Lonely Island. Like, you're the, you're the fifth member. It's like those three guys, somebody we, else, you. I don't remember talking about it on the podcast, but that shit is phenomenal. And the album itself is like crazy good too. So if you need something new to listen to, Kelly, have you watched that by the way? No, I have not. Oh my God. Do yourself a favor. It's only like, I think it's like 30 minutes long or under, but they did this surprise. Um, not even like a, it's like a, it's a, 
like a musical experience thing that they I forgot what they were trying to to um, market it as, but they dropped this random like gift on the world uh, last year, I believe, on Netflix, and it's it's like a, a giant music video for this whole album that they made about the Bash Brothers, the uh, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, and it's uh, uh, Andy Samberg as Jose Canseco and. Um, it's not Jorma. It's the other guy that can never pronounce his name. Akiva is um, is Mark McGuire. Oh, and and the and the the guests in it will like blow your minds. Just go into it blind. Watch it. Netflix. Sorry, Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Hal. No uh, but so, Mighty Ducks and Lonely Island aside, Hamilton was basically the record scratch. Stop what you're doing. You got to watch it. Um, it's a ticket most people couldn't get because it still was still sold out up until the pandemic. And uh, Disney Plus filmed this uh, four years ago, actually, with the original cast, which includes Linda Manuel Miranda, D.B. Diggs, Jonathan Groff. Uh, if you don't know who Jonathan Groff is, Mindhunter. He's also Kristoff. Um, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. and company. So uh, had any of you guys seen this on Broadway? Nope. Not even a little. Join the club. Um, now, had, had you guys listened to any of the soundtrack beforehand? Because I know my wife did. I was like, I'm not going to listen to anything from this show until I go see it. Yeah, I didn't listen to anything. I've definitely heard snippets, and I've seen interviews with Lin-Manuel Miranda and you know a couple other cast members. So, like, of course I knew a bit about it. Yeah. Um, but, no, this was... I really was going into it with no knowledge of lyrics or really the way anything was going to play out. Oh, did you listen to anything beforehand or had you any knowledge? Cause I know they had the mixtape, which is very popular. No, I, I was the same way as you bill. And, uh, yeah, Kelly, like I wanted to go into this as blind as possible, but because Hamilton has become so engraved in our culture, it's impossible. Right. Like, yeah. Hearing like, you know, uh, my shot, like, I knew a little bit of it and never listened to the album once or hearing it on the radio or anything. It's just because it's become so engraved. It's like a famous movie where you know all the big quotes but have never seen it, like The Godfather. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yes, like The Godfather, uh, which yeah. you have never yeah. seen. The most so, Italian yeah. person I've ever met in my life has not watched The Godfather. God, I hope that's not true. You should have your card pulled. Um, Kelly, <laughs> you are our guest of honor. Um, so... I, you you said you watched it this weekend. What do you, what were your thoughts on Hamilton? Um. Well, first of all, it was just incredibly powerful and emotional to watch. Um, I I really wish I went to Broadway more over my lifetime, but um, I've really only seen uh, Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera, um, a couple of like off Broadway productions of a few different shows. Um, so not necessarily to that scale, but just seeing the way it was put together and how it flowed was absolutely beautiful. But um, just how it resonated with everything that we've been going through as, uh, you know, a society and everything we're still going through, it um, it definitely it hit a lot of stuff. It made a lot of, um, you know, with the protests, the protest signs you see so many lyrics that I didn't even realize were Hamilton lyrics and they hit so differently. 
So um, I, it was incredibly powerful. I absolutely loved it. Did you cry? Oh, I cried. I, I for sure cried at least three times, if not more. I definitely shed a few tears. I'm not going to lie. Al, so since it took you like, you know, a sojourn and a half to really get through this, it literally was like 40 days and 40 nights like that movie with Josh Hartnett. Wow. I can't believe I pulled that on my ass. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Jean-Claude Van Damme in that movie in one podcast. I should just retire. Um, I would. I mean, I, I wish. Uh, what did you think, you know, I know it was a choppy viewing, but what did you think of him? I cried for different reasons because of the choppy viewing. Um, <laughs> every time Parker did to be like, ah! <laughs> shit, uh, man, it was, it was, I kind of like everything I hoped it'd be and more. Um, I think you lose a little bit of the, the impact when you're not seeing it live. Yeah. Um, but that being said, Seeing a play where they don't stop, there is no, I mean, like, it felt like one long, it felt like one long soundtrack, right? Um, I don't remember seeing a play like that before, and I've seen some pretty pretty popular, pretty big ones, whether it was, uh, like, Wicked is a good one. Uh, and, um, you know, Deathly Hollows was a really fun experience to see live. I don't think it would translate to... To, like like this experience like Hamilton did like it's so well done too and like in terms of like filming it as well it was just like perfect um I think I was expecting less quality for some reason I don't know why it kind of makes you think did they have the Disney money already in advance because it was filmed so so well I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be shocked but uh yeah I was absolutely blown away and I remember my my uh my wife, after we finished finally watching it, she's like, I don't think they stopped singing the whole time. I was like, I don't think they did. And, like, I don't know how he – like, he is a savant. Like, I think we've already established this, right? Like, he is, like, a legit genius for not only writing that, but, I mean, working with the the, the, the costume designers and um, the stage designers and – the cast is just insane. Um, of course, uh, uh, Goff, is, is that how you say his last Jonathan name? Goff. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Goff. Goff, uh, who is amazing, and we love him to death. Uh, you know, he kind of stole every scene he was in. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, just fucking kudos to, to know, everyone involved. Do you guys know who was, uh, it's going to be a deep poll, who was the king before him? Have either of you seen The Kitchen with Melissa McCarthy? No. Okay, so the guy... I have the comic series. The guy who plays her husband, that guy was the king before Jonathan Groff. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the least likely guy you would think would play an over-the-top character was that. And then you get Kristoff, you know, coming in there and mind-hunting us all. He definitely, you know, was a show-stealer. But I'll be honest, when I first started watching it, I'm like, oh, this is good. And I I guess, like, in the beginning, I was like, wow, Lin-Manuel Miranda's voice, I'm like... It's not really captivating me. It's not really catching me. And then when I liked my shot and then – but when they went into Rise Up, I was like, oh, hello. Like I've – this is Goosebumps and Tears. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like I was just floored by it. And, uh, you know, like Kelly, like you said, like how we can apply it to today and how everything is so applicable and how they they made Hamilton a very – 
human character. He wasn't just like great, magnanimous, perfect guy. He was a piece of shit at times. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I didn't want to keep going. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 and I, I just like the way. I also like some people were like tweeting at him, and I was look, looking at his Twitter feed. I follow him, and how he like was putting like Mob Deep lyrics and stuff, and like it, it's just crazy how they wove in all these different genres, whether it's hip hop or R and B or soul, classic Broadway, like how the and. How, it was Sophie downstairs laughing at something. Uh, it, you know, how they were able to seamlessly weave everything into it. It, it was amazing. And then, then, you, then you get Jonathan Groff coming in basically doing like rock opera. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it, it's just like the, he took everything and just wove it into one seamless piece. So my next question to you guys would be, who was the one character? Let's take Lin-Manuel Miranda out of this because he's so – associated with Hamilton. Who is the one character that you were like, wow, this is the one, I love what this character did. That's a hard call, but it's like, it was like one or two characters that you were like, damn, the, these people are amazing. Um, I love David Diggs. Oh, I thought he so was yeah. so good. Just so cute and charming and like, uh, really just brought a, a sensational spirit to every movement, every line that he sang. It was just so quick and really, really graceful. Um, and I also liked, um, who played uh, Aaron Burr? That was... Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom. I, I loved him too. He, mm. um, he could be very soft at times, or not so much soft, but like... Uh, he controlled himself in a way that when his rage came out yeah. in certain lines, you really felt that like in your throat and it was uh, super powerful. So those are my two other favorites. What do, which Diggs uh, role did you like better as Marquis de Lafayette or Thomas Jefferson? Oh, I, oh, that, that's really tough. <laughs> I love Jefferson um, when he, when he and his first number that he does, he's like, "Catch me up on what I missed," and yeah. it's so showy, it's so over the top, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And then he has uh, some great lines, you know. After oh. that point, it really is incredible. So yeah, I'd say Thomas Jefferson. Al, what do you got? Um, honorable mention because uh, um, Al never follows the rules, never ever. <laughs> so um, basically, every uh, every one of his wives' mistresses. So I know his one wife was uh, Eliza, but Philippa uh, So was phenomenal. Like yeah. I think, I think all the 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 women absolutely crushed it. Like when when Bill, when you said that his voice isn't like impacting you enough, in the I think yeah. in the beginning, I think it was um, all the female singers hit me harder, and and then it was the it was when um, Leslie Odom and David when they were rapping. That was when that hit me the most, right? Yes. Oh, and then I was going to say uh, Renee Elisa Goldsberry, who played An- uh, Angelica. Both. She crushed both singing and rapping. It was phenomenal. Uh, I'm going to give my my kind of underdog card to uh, Chris Jackson, who played George Washington. I loved him. He was phenomenal. He was so good. And, I mean, like, the like stepping into those shoes, like, people don't really know Alexander Hamilton, 
pre whenever this uh, whatever the first run of this came out it was like 2016 or no it was earlier than that 2015 um, 2015 everyone knows uh, George Washington they 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 know him as this this mythological creature at this point our first president war hero and everything like that to jump into someone who has been played a gazillion times on TV and film and just make it your own Chris Jackson crushed it. By the way, I did not realize Taryn Killam also played King George III from a, oh. in 2017. That I could see. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you had one other one you wanted to say? Or no? No. Okay. No, I just wanted to give the shout out to uh, the, the women and Chris Jackson. Uh, to me, my favorite, Renee Elise Goldsberry, when her song, uh, Satisfied, that one was like, stop the show. Holy shit, she just lit the building on fire. It was mm. so great. She was amazing at it. Like her performance, like everything about it, just like it, it, it like halts you at, at anything you're doing. It was so great. And and like you, you said, like um, Christopher Jackson as George Washington was phenomenal. I loved him at George Washington. I think as George Washington, he had such a complex role and like his role with Hamilton and how he, you know, how he reacts to the changing of Hamilton is just is is excellent, and I I, I, I absolutely love. He was my favorite performance outside him, but I want to give it since we're you know Al can break the rules, I guess I can too. Uh, I want to give it uh, to uh, the actor who played both Hercules Mulligan and James Madison, uh, Okiarit uh, O'Donwin. Uh, I'm, I apologize for butchering that name, but he, as Hercules Mulligan, the um, Irish uh, tailor slash spy during the Revolutionary War, and as the always infirm James Madison, it was such a great dynamic where he plays the straight man as James Madison to Thomas Jefferson, but is also comic relief at the same time, which I thought was just like this great role for him. And I thought he, uh, his Hercules stuff was really great. Uh, just how powerful he was, and I, I we can't, you know, uh, have you, uh, Anthony Ramos as John Lawrence and Phil Hamilton also really good. He's going to be the lead in um, the cinematic adaptation of In the Heights, which I believe mm-hmm. is in twenty twenty two. Yeah, they Hamil- pushed that back. Yeah, well, because Hamilton was supposed to be, they might push it up because Hamilton was supposed to be in twenty twenty one. So I, I'm not. Uh, we'll see because nothing makes sense in the movies anymore. Um, yep. But yeah, our. Uh, we all like this movie. I'm gonna go. I want to go back and watch two and a half hours. So for me, that time kind of sucks. But like, I definitely want to go back and watch this. And I think this was a brilliant, brilliant move by Disney Plus because, as we said, seventy two percent increase in subs, and then you got Beyonce at the end of the month. So mm-hmm. that's gonna just skyrocket it. We talked about that with Matt Taylor. Um. So my question to you guys is: Do you want to see more of this from Disney Plus? There's a lot of Disney stuff that's like Lion King right now is on Broadway. I know it's been running for 20 years, but that's still a ridiculous ticket. Would you want to see more of this, not just in Disney, but maybe other streaming platforms that we see performances like this? Or is Hamilton just so special that that magic can't be recreated? Al, I'm going to go with you first on this one. I mean, I think, yeah, Hamilton is like the outlier. It's something that, you know, we we talked about... uh, way earlier on the podcast that like when this was announced for theaters 
and Disney paid this giant money, this giant uh, assortment of money uh, for it, it made total sense because like it's going to make that back and more because this is something that everyone and their mom has wanted to see and can't afford it. Uh, but they could afford a you know a twelve dollar movie ticket. Now they could afford you know an eight dollar uh, a month subscription and and go watch it. Um, I have seen a, a a play show or whatever um, that it did eventually go onto a streaming service before, and that was Oh Hello on Broadway. Um, that was one of the best theater experiences I've ever been to, and I probably have watched the. Uh, the Netflix version like five times and that's probably a low number because that's it's so good it really is situational because for something that's a big production like The Lion King um, you would need to film it like they did Hamilton and maybe even more because of all the you'd have to do more right so and I would say the same thing with Wicked too and Wicked's been in development hell kind of for years, yeah. I think J.J. Abrams was attached to it at one point. I saw point that original producing it. run with Joel Gray, Kristen Chenoweth, and Indita Menzel. That was insane. And yeah. you can't do – I don't think you could ever do that without those – at least the, those two leads for sure. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I, think it, it, I think they should do this because of the lack of content. And I would guess that they have probably filmed a lot of these – uh, with older or original cast in the past, but do they live up to what they just did with Hamilton? And then we'll, we don't know because we don't know what is available, right? Um, it makes sense. It really does. Kel? Kel. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I would probably reiterate what both of you have said with accessibility, um, finances, but also logistically, you can't really take these giant sets and put them into different places. They really are strictly located to Broadway or New York, wherever they essentially build them. So um, I think it would be pretty fantastic if it could be done correctly and completely honoring the work that everybody has put into the theatrical production. Um to you know do this more i would say maybe be a bit selective on you know what you want to put out there but for reaching a wider audience i think it's fantastic i you know like i said being selective i think is a big thing but hamilton was that is like we haven't had a broadway like cultural phenomenon in like a long time like i think wicked was like that and yeah. i think if we had yeah. not as big not as Not big, as big. <laughs> but no. if you had, if Wicked came out a few years ago and had that same success, and you took, like I said, Indita Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth, and you did that on, okay, I'm just gonna just you throw it out because uh, HBO Max is showing Wizard of Oz. Say like they have the rights to it, and HBO Max does a live a viewing right now of Wicked, and it was the hottest ticket in town. It would do very well, but I think it's gonna be hard to not come off like we had mentioned now, like a Fathom event, like. Okay, here's here's like this one night only type thing. Whereas Hamilton is a cultural event, like you know, in my shoot job, like we have like which is my real job, it's a wrestling term, and it's <laughs> like um, you know, we had like senior citizens calling up and saying like, oh, is Hamilton going to be on the Disney Channel? Like every it was like this is the perfect storm because like we had talked about out too is like this would have done fine at 
the movies, but because everyone is like fine, like but it, it would have done it would have done gangbusters. I think it would have done fine because I think there's a lot of people who still would have waited for never gonna happen. They're never gonna just drop like the the the. It's reached a point where it's gone nuclear in terms of the, the the need to see this live. And even after the fact that they've already seen it with basically the original cast, people are going to like, well, I heard it's even better live. No, so no, no, I'm talking about to, as right? a movie, as a movie. Like I'm saying, like, a, like if, oh, if this thing was released adapted? in theaters. Adapted? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying if this, no. this property that was on Disney Plus was dropped next year in the movie theaters, everything yeah. was normal, it would have done good. It wouldn't no. have been... No. This you just 74 74 right, percent, but everyone's. I think now you're capturing everyone who wanted to see the theater, and everyone's like, Well, I'll wait to see it. You're getting it's like the perfect storm for it right now, and that's Ag- what, agree to disagree because I want you to finish your point. But I think like this is a like a moment in time that I don't know if we could reproduce and have the same effect, definitely. And I, and I think you're going to see streaming services force it. I think they're like once Broadway comes back, so they're going to try and force it with some, one of the streamers is going to do this. But go ahead before I no, I was going to say that the, just the the one that popped to my head that had like a ton of buzz and then like a lot of momentum into a potential adaptation to a movie um, that people were really excited about and then just kind of fell off, especially when Hamilton rose to power, mm-hmm. is the Book of Mormon. I think that oh, yeah. I mean it's still would, going. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, yes, I think if you that got that original cast game. back, if you brought Josh Gad and Andrew Rannells back, and they did a, a re, you know, revival of that, and that was filmed for HBO Max, for example, yeah, that would do very well. You're right, I, I agree with that. Yeah, because it's still going, and it's still a very hot ticket for Broadway. Correct, but again, nothing is going to touch Hamilton. No, it's not even. It's it's like they're in the majors and. The Book of Mormon is like AAA. like they got they got cut from T ball like it's there's no comparison Oof. right yeah it's, you didn't it's even just, put them in AAA you just said you no. can't even hit a ball off a tee no exactly. you can't do what a five year old does wow correct God exactly damn, cut like I a know. knife you're like Brian Adams um, right. so what I'm going to do is now is I'm going to let uh, Kelly and Al talk about one of their favorite actors in fact Kelly um, recently posted on Twitter pictures of her home which include statues of a uh, very ripped and very gifted um, Dan Stevens and uh, frescoes and murals of Mr. Stevens, who you've seen in such things as Legion and uh, Her Smell. And, of course, what Alan Kelly are going to talk about, because I haven't seen it, and that is Eurovision, the latest movie from Will Ferrell, uh, also starring Rachel McAdams and the aforementioned Dan Stevens. So, guys, while I take a moment to myself... Please talk about the glory of this film and your love of Mr. Dan Stevens. Oh, man. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, this has become a Dan Stevens podcast, or as as we fans or stands of Dan Stevens call, Stan Stevens. Um, I, I just, again, as Bill said, I love this man. Um, ever since I saw The Guest, which is one of the best most like underrated fucking just cool ass movies. That's like, I think a perfect, um, uh, if you ever like want to do like a, like a cool dude, double feature, do like drive and the guest. Mm-hmm. I think that would make a, make a really fun double feature. Um, 
And then uh, Legion, obviously, uh, you know, four seasons of, of perfect television. Uh, but it's just this guy is not only beautiful, but he also has uh, amazing acting chops. And uh, he was a gift in uh, Eurovision, which was already a pretty solid movie and pretty fun movie that um, has a ton of good music and uh, some, you know, just great work from um, Rachel McAdams, who is not in enough things. Like, oh, absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Kelly, what did you think of the movie? And then, of course, the Dan Stevens performance. So I got to say, for this time, I've been watching some pretty pretty dark shows, dark TV. Mm-hmm. I just uh, binged the last two seasons of The Man in the High Castle, and oh, then man. I went straight on into Hunters. So we got a lot <laughs> of... A lot of dark yeah. stuff. How Hunters was, is so, not light. How was Hunters? Hunters was incredible. I really enjoyed it a lot. I think you'd yeah. like it a lot too. Oh yeah, I got you the ru- I got the I got a major twist of that ruined for me. Uh, oh, that sucks. Uh, yeah, that's because that I I kind of didn't see that coming. I thought me it was going to be something else, and yeah. it was not. It was that, and it broke my heart really at the end because I was so emotionally invested in yeah. this character. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's some dark stuff. But I, And you were about to say this was kind of a gift of light that you so needed. This, absolutely. It was uh, a gift of light. It was really, I think, Will Ferrell kind of going back to what what works with his movies. Just that like jolly kid um, that has a dream and grows up and remains yeah. a jolly kid that happens to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was great. I thought Rachel McAdams, uh, I absolutely love seeing her in comedies because for some reason, I, I know that she does, uh, she's got a great range. She's been in serious stuff and she's been in like some funny stuff, but mm-hmm. I just, something about her role in this movie, it was just completely joyful. She yeah. was so pleasant to watch and I absolutely loved her and Will Ferrell together. Um, but the main reason I watched this movie was Dan Stevens, or as I lovingly refer to him to as uh, Damn Stevens. Yeah. Wow. Damn Stevens. Love it. Damn Stevens. Um, so I I loved his character. I every single scene that he was in, he's so beautiful to look at. I just wonder if he wakes up every day. And he just, like, appreciates himself, takes a couple quiet moments just to look at himself in the mirror and just think, you know, I'm Dan Stevens. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I would do if I was yeah. Dan Stevens. I I feel like, I don't know if I he does. I feel like that's not... the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I feel like he is, he looks like from what I've seen from like interviews and stuff, like he's just so like about the craft and like, just like a cool dude like that. I feel like he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really good looking and I'm going to use that my advantage to like find these like amazing and fun roles. Like he's not like, he doesn't seem like a, like a douchebag, but Oh, God, absolutely God. not. Yeah. He's like, do not even, do no, not don't even, even put those words together. No, I'm saying the complete opposite. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast. He is my like forever man crush, uh, mm-hmm. and he was so fun in this because like you don't like we've mentioned the guest and Legion, pretty dark stuff. And I know he's uh, his big big breakout was uh, Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that's not a light affair as well. So um, seeing him in a comedy like this uh, is great. And I, I think we mentioned Will Ferrell playing like a fun, whimsical, you know, kind of like from semi-pro um, mm-hmm. and other roles. I also got a, um, a, a, a Blades of Glory vibe, even though he wasn't like a dick. He still had yeah. like, kind of just like the character he was like personifying was really fun. Um but going back to the, like, I think Will Ferrell and 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 Adam McKay. I don't know if I don't think Adam McKay was involved with this one, but like, um, it was David Dobkin. David Dobkin, yeah. So not Bobkin, but th- them and then Rogan, who we mentioned earlier in the pod, they have a knack for finding people who are known for drama and and more serious roles, and like saying like I, this this guy is perfect to play completely the opposite of like the typecasting they usually do uh, like uh, example is um in uh the night before another uh oh, rogan joint that, um they they had michael shannon play like a comedic role and like michael shannon is like literally the most intimidating human i've ever met in person mm-hmm. and he is so funny and so dry that like they put like they they have a knack for it and i think that you know um, the Ferrells, the Adam McKay's, they also have a knack for bringing people in and just setting fire. And like now that opens up another side of their career. I hope to see Dan Stevens in more comedies because he fully embraced this and he's so good in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, um, the other thing that I really appreciated about this movie is it seemed like the humor was a lot less mean to a lot of, to like, certain groups of people um for example with the dan stevens character they certainly gave him some uh you know lgbt vibes and you couldn't really tell but they didn't use that to take advantage of or to be mean to his character it was really refreshing at the end to kind of see them call him out and then just say like, well, you know, why don't you live your dream and be happy? And it was never used as uh, a crutch to make fun of anyone, which I think is very different for this brand of humor. It's not entirely revolutionary, but it's really nice to not have that um, almost like gay panic style of joking. Oh oh, yeah. Refreshing. Yeah. Go back 10 years to the Mm -hmm. first Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams joint with Wedding Crashers, and that's all gay panic. And yeah. that movie has not aged well in terms of that. And it was again, like you said, like a, a breath of fresh air to see not only like the that a um, that kind of character brought in and brought up and acknowledged, and it wasn't for wasn't really for comedic effect. It was more of just like it was his character that you didn't mm-hmm. know what he was or what he was into, and they they shined a light on it and didn't like poke fun really at it. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was interesting because they like, I think if this movie was made 10 years ago, it would have been like this character is gay, but he's not acknowledging it. And it's like, no, he might be, he might be more than that. Cause there is more than that now, Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in the eyes of the rest of the world and not just, you know, the old Hollywood stereotypes that we're used to. Yep. So I loved seeing that. Um, Yeah. uh, And his song too. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. So Bill, he plays this like Russian singer. 
from, uh, you know, because it's the Eurovision Song Contest. He's from Russia. He's like representing Russia. And I think, is it Lion of Love? Is that mm-hmm. the name of the song? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he uses this, like, this, his tone throughout the entire song is so out of left field and so strange. And, like, it, it like, kind of, like, hits you, like, right in the beginning. Just like, what the fuck is this? And he does, <laughs> he just sticks with it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what he's going with it. It's great. Uh, you should definitely, if you haven't checked out the movie, Bill, I obviously recommend you should. But on top of that, just listen to the soundtrack because the music is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Dan yeah. has been doing a lot of stuff. Like I mentioned her smell earlier. Kelly, I know yeah. you've seen that movie. Uh, I know if Val, you've seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but Dan Stevens is a guy who, like, if you just know him as the dude from Legion, he is going to be, he's going to become a major staple in Hollywood. Uh, he's going to get an Oscar. He's definitely due for an Oscar nom soon, I think, and he's definitely going to get an Oscar win. He will be a big bad in some Hollywood blockbuster for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's got a he's got a long list of stuff he's going to be doing. Right? He's going to be one of these people, not someone who's just hot for a minute and gone. He will be around for a very long time, I think. Um, while we just we, we it, this this thing was a little different than we, we normally do because these are two big things we want to talk about. Of course, we always want to talk about Kelly's love of Dan Stevens and Hamilton was literally the toast of the town this weekend. Uh, but what real quick, like a quick hitter, uh, what is just a a show or something you want to recommend? I know Kelly, there is a certain HBO series that you want to talk about real quick that you've been enjoying. <laughs> Um, so I have been keeping up with Perry Mason, um, One episode and five. that's thanks to you, Al, cause I really was not keeping track of, uh, I I've been real off on my date, so I've been like missing different shows dropping, but you threw out Tatiana Maslany and I had to support my girl. That's right. So, um, we just got past, uh, the third episode in what is going to be, um, eight. Or ten episodes. I think I'm pretty sure it's eight episodes. Yeah, because that, what that'll do is that'll take every, us into. I should take us into Lovecraft Country. Oh yes, that's right. Oh, so, and that's yeah. another one I'm looking forward to. Very much so. I'm doing the reviews on Pop Break. I think I talked about Perry Mason last episode. Uh, I have not seen episode three. I'm going to watch that after this podcast, hopefully, and um, really put a review out quick. Uh, it's been awesome. I've been really liking it. I've always loved the um, the L.A. noir style. Um, I, I don't think that gets old. And um, I think they're doing a really great job with it. I really absolutely love the work they've done with just the costumes and the scenery. I think that's fantastic. Um, I love that uh, Chris Chalk's in it from, yeah. well, we saw him as Lucius Fox in Gotham. And When They See Us, he was a big part of that as well. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, my, my second review of, for the site was the first episode was such like a, just like very forcing you into, this is not what Perry Mason is. This is basically mm-hmm. true detective meets Warwick Empire. Get over it. Be like, get and get into it. Whereas the second episode really, um, Al is typing so loudly, uh, <laughs> uh, is like, uh, yeah, the second episode was like, here's the plot. And then the yeah. plot took the substance became the substance became more than the style, especially when Tatiana Maslany and Lily Taylor both came into these series. Mm-hmm. And that's a hell of a combination for those two together. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think you're really going to love this third episode. Uh, I just, I absolutely love what they're doing with character development. I've been watching all the um, extras that they have up on demand. I forget that. Um, so it, uh, they really just talk about how they want to not even have it be so much about the who done it or what's the end game going to be, but just exploring these characters, how they exist in this world and what they're trying to make of themselves moving forward. And uh, when you look at it through that lens, um, it's like really fascinating. There's a lot there. So I ended up watching the third episode twice because I just feel like they, they really got stuff rolling and visually, I'm happy because last week on Twitter, I requested more Sister Alice costumes, and they gave me more Sister Alice costumes. God so they listen to you. You're a taste. They maker. listen to me. They know what I want. So I'm um I'm just thrilled to see Tatiana Maslany a part of a big project. Yeah. I think she is incredibly talented. As I think anyone who's seen Orphan Black would, you know absolutely agree i'm shocked that she did not get picked up to do something like she did not end up in something high profile between the end of working black and now i know so, she had done stuff but it's like yeah i did hear that she was in the running for there were two big things that really surprised me that she didn't get but i could totally see her in the role one was um Jin Erso from uh, yes. the that one Star Wars spinoff. Fuck. Yeah, Rogue that would have been fantastic. She would have been amazing in that. No, I mean she not that not the person who took it. Was oh yeah, bad, I, and I like, love that movie too. I thought it was fantastic. I know that there was uh, definitely some back and forth and like discourse, as there always is in the Star Wars fandom. Al but uh, like I thought Rogue they did a fantastic job. It's not that I didn't like Rogue One. You thought it's the, like the ending was what made the movie. Yeah, you cut the ending off, and it's a super forgettable movie. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not needed, obviously, but you cut the ending off, it's it's like, it's it's nothing without it. It's the, the best part about it. And and it was what was added in post uh, to make the movie better. Yeah. So, and it has nothing to do with any of the main characters. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, that's <laughs> Sorry, a little my Rogue One run. No, but, I get it. I would have loved to have <laughs> I, seen her in it. I've had friends that argued the same thing. Yeah. And it's crazy because there's so many um, there's so many great moments and actors that have actually in it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, it's becoming a Rogue One podcast now. But uh, I just think it just you know I mean K two S O is in that right? So yeah. that's yeah, like phenomenal. And he's going to be uh, him and seeing him and 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 Cassian in their own series, awesome. Like it's great mm-hmm. seeing stuff spin off from it, but the movie itself, I don't think it's needed. Uh, but seeing Tatiana Maslany in that would have been amazing. Yep. What, was the, what was the other thing that she almost was in? Oh, gosh. Um, now, this is just me scouring message boards. Yeah. So I can't remember that. But I do remember, um, I did recently read an interview with her where they talked about, like, you know, is there anything you can't do? And she said, well, apparently Shakespeare. She um, went out and uh, I'm pretty sure just read a part and they loved her so much. So they called her to try and just go over, do some practice with her. Um, and she was so into it. And I, I don't remember which Shakespeare title that they were working on. But she ended up leaving this long day of, uh, you know, going over stuff. I'm pretty sure they gave her the part. And as she was on her way back to wherever she lived, she got a call and they're like, 
yeah, they just cut you. They said you weren't a good fit. So she just talked about how she's apparently not a good fit for uh, Shakespeare. Oh, I don't get that. But, so that's the only, I guess I, that's I the only bummer to, for her. Yeah, that was the Jin Erso was the one, because I kept thinking, I'm like, it's Star Wars, but it wasn't Ray. Mm-hmm. Erso, there you go. Yeah, I'm loving Perry Mason, too. It's it's so good. It's, like, way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, like I said, Al, you need to get on that. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything, you know, I rewatched the ending of, or the last few episodes of, and this would be my recommendation. We talked about this, like the first podcast we did, uh, was the Imagineering story on Disney plus. Um, so good. Uh, Yeah, that's good. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just like, like if you're just like, there's a lot of stress or anxiety in your life. I just, I, I like, I put that on and I'm like, Oh, this is just fantastical. And I could just be swept up in creativity. And that was cool. Like, and I was like, so I, I did the last one, which was about, um, all the star Wars stuff and some of the Marvel stuff. And just some of the, and uh, I think, uh, the one day Disney Beijing. So yeah, it's super cool. Imagineering. It's like a seven or eight part episode. It takes you from like, like the origins of Disneyland and Disney world, which is so cool to see those early ones. And then just takes you about the innovation that comes through with all like, they did the one with the Avatar uh, display in, uh, uh, sorry, the Animal Kingdom, which is amazing too. So, Imagineering, yeah, it's it's a great, like, very calming for some reason documentary series on Disney Plus. Highly recommend it. Al, you got anything just quick we can throw out there for people to watch? Oh man, good question. Um, I rewatched that you're not, you haven't mentioned. Six times. Oh, something. Something. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was, I was literally going to for a second. Um, what, what, what were you going to say? And then I'll just. Yes. Well, la- last night I started rewatching uh, for Gangster Marshall. Um, oh well, <laughs> you can talk about a, that with me because I was super wasted on that podcast. We, we had a whole pot about that. Did I mention I finally saw Jaws for the first time last week? Talk about. That. Oh wow! Yes, you yeah. mentioned that to me. Yeah. In our our real life version of this podcast. Yeah, so I uh, I am a uh, radio, TV, and film major who has a lot of gaps in his actual film uh, I don't know, knowledge, uh, I guess. But it's again, it's Jaws. It's like I know all the quotes. I didn't have to see the movie. Not true. I finally did watch Jaws. Obviously, it was right right before July Fourth. It's like become a staple of July Fourth movies, and it's Spielberg. And I've, I've I've always had it on my list. Really need to check it out. Um, I believe. Uh, it was on HBO Max for, yes. uh, you know, there's a million movies, there's like 500 movies on HBO Max. And uh, they had that. So I finally watched it. Um, initial thoughts. I love the uh, the performances are amazing. Um, I know I heard something about the shark not looking realistic. I didn't really catch that. I thought the effects were pretty great. And then thinking about it in the 70s perspective, really great. Mm-hmm. Um and I think my only critique of it was a, like it was like a hair too long, but otherwise uh, that was my only uh, problem with it. And then Richard Dreyfuss is the goat. He was so good in that. Yeah, yep. I watched that yep. way late too. Probably when I first started dating my wife, probably maybe ten years ago. First time I ever watched it. I know it was the reason I was scared to go in the ocean when I was a little kid. But like, and that was like when Jaws 3D was probably out. Uh, but yeah, I was like. You watch it, and that shark, I know what it is. Like, I know what it is. I know it's fake, but it looks 
real. <laughs> like, and, it just, and I you just I sit there and marvel at it every time I see that movie. I'm like, God damn, it still holds up like 30, 40 years, uh, 40 plus years later. And um, yeah, so that's our watch list. So Jaws, put it on there if you haven't seen it. Now we move into a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope! Oh boy, oh boy. And this glimmer of hope is something I know Kelly is very excited for. Let me just pull up, the article, pull up the article real quick. Uh, it was on IndieWire. You son of a bitch. You lost the article. Uh, oh, there it is. And it is. Uh, it was an interview that happened recently with the director of Black Widow, uh, uh, Kate Shortland, saying that Florence Pugh's character, who we all know Florence Pugh is going to be in Black Widow. If you saw the trailer, she's in there. Her character, Yelena Belova, is going to be appearing in more Marvel movies past Black Widow, as some of the articles are saying, as this article says, the baton has been handed to her. Now, to me, this is like a major coup for Marvel. Florence Pugh is one of the hottest actresses in Hollywood right now. Midsommar, which we mentioned before, Little Women. Um, she's done a ton. She's She is that dramatic heavyweight that has now been recruited, uh, like so many dramatic heavyweights before her. Um, and I'm sure after her, to be in this, the MCU. I don't know what character she's going to play. I don't care what character she's going to play. She's going to absolutely knock it out. Kelly, I'm not going to like let you hang on the line for any longer. T- tell me your thoughts about this one. Um, I am absolutely thrilled. I think they have a powerhouse on their hands. Um, she is so incredible at just emotions and like powerful um, dialogue. So that's going to be fantastic, but I'm just really excited to see her in an action style environment. Um, You know, yeah, I don't know if this is a glimpse of it or not, but she was also in uh, fighting with my family. Yes, she was, which I still haven't seen and I'm such a jerk. (laughs) So yeah, that, you know what it, it was a cute, fun movie, and it just is more Florence Pugh for you. But um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see her in that element. I think that she is going to play such a great role, and I think this is a fantastic decision by Marvel. You know, the first time I ever saw her is, I saw her in that really rando Netflix film that Chris Pine was in called Outlaw King. Oh, that one. Yeah, they really like it was like everyone's like Florence Pugh's great. And I saw her and like they totally misused her so badly in that movie. Yeah. But then she rebounded and has become everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh Lady Macbeth, if you have not seen it, highly recommend it. She was fantastic in that. Not seen that. Oh cool. I will definitely check that out. Yes. Very, uh, very good. Ow. You're our resident Marvel dude. Thoughts? It's funny. Cause, it's funny because I realize I've never seen her in anything. Because I've, I've, it's always been like I want to see this, and I know she's probably amazing in it. And I've never seen like I've been like Little Women has been on my list forever. I'm like oh, I need to watch so that good. movie. Um, and then I am very strange when it comes to horror. Like I was never a big horror guy, but I do like suspenseful movies. Like if it's not gory, then I will watch it. Don't know if I could jump into Midsummer. I don't know if it's gory or not, and you could probably tell me yes or no. But yeah, I don't know if I can handle it. 
Uh, um, it is gore in the light of day. So Ugh, that's rough. You're really um, seeing it. Oh man, I don't think I can handle it. But anyway, um, I have been excited for this movie for a long time. I always loved Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, and I thought the casting of this was like, again, like Marvel does not fuck around when it comes to casting. Um, I mean, D- David Harbour as the Red Guardian looks like he's stealing oh, yeah. the show, like for sure. Uh, but I will say this, and I know I'm probably wrong, but I think that this quote may have been a ruse. I think I think she's going to get killed off in this movie. I know you don't want to hear that, Kelly, but it just doesn't make sense that this is the first time we're hearing of her and that she has never been in any of the film's like later and what is her excuse for not helping out her uh sister um when the world was ending during infinity war and endgame and also i think it would be um more of like an emotional break if the family that she has dies because like who like she said that her family was the avengers like that is her family so it's just like i feel like this might be a ruse and like, or you know, if they're doing a, the timeline thing though, like if it's a different time. Yeah, of course the timeline thing could be, uh, that could be another great, great point, Bill. Um, I just, it's the first time you ever said I had a great point. Thanks. Yeah. I, you say that every episode. No, but I think, I know I like I, to put myself over. I, I really think that this close to when the movie's coming out and now that it even got pushed, uh, they want, they want to avoid, uh, leaks, so they're gonna probably just throw random quotes everywhere just to try to you know get you off the trail. Um, but man, if I, I hope I'm wrong because uh, she's excellent, and uh, just following her like quarantine life has been pretty great. Oh, that has uh, been fantastic. Yeah, she's just like a like like learning how to bake and stuff, or or just baking in general. Um, uh, really cool, and uh, she just seems like a, a great fit for for the MCU, and I'd love to see how they um how they incorporate her post you know post black widow you know i i me leaning personally to uh an mcu show uh that has her in it you know they can do so many different things and you know the the teams are never set in stone so they can always uh, they can always change it up and like say like oh well she's going to be part of the secret warriors or she's going to be part of you know so and so was it does was it really black widow ever like was there ever another black widow like you know she yeah in the comics yeah she is based off a character in the in the comics she's uh, the no, another no, no, black... I mean like to someone like how we have a different like there was US agent there's a different captain america like there's people who assume the the mantle of this like in the comic um, world does does anyone do that there is a uh, pr- yes, there is a Red Widow um, that was introduced, but yes. Yeah, so in in this run of Inhumans, uh, her character is introduced as a like another Black Widow. So like yeah, she is so straight I, from the comics. But I'm saying like I know how you're saying like USA like another version. There's like a Red Widow. Like they could they can go so many different ways with it. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I can't because I could see like if you're talking about family die. Rachel Vice is in it. Rachel Vice always makes us cry, so I can yes. see her dying off. And like, what better way to make us cry yeah. than have everyone's dad, David Harbor, die? Like Ugh. you know, 
you know. So, and we've also seen the whole like any movies like my family's dead. Well, except they're not. There's this yeah. one person I haven't talked to in 20 years. You know what I mean? So like right. we, we've we all have that in real life and in the movies. So it's you can like, also go the the Bucky Barnes approach and like I, I thought he died, like but he really didn't die. Rutgers so alone. like you can. Yeah, but I'm saying like you could you can go the the route of like hey, you know it appeared that that this person died, but guess what? It's Marvel and it's a comic book and no one's ever dead. Yeah. So, so I think personally, for some reason, that this is a ruse that she's she along with the rest of the quote unquote family will perish in this movie. But again, I'm wrong almost all the time, and I think uh, she'd be great as uh, as the, the continuation of Black Widow. Yeah, I think I think I, I can't see them. I mean, I could, but I, I I don't know if I could see them letting someone of that caliber slip through their fingers on one, mm-hmm. especially since she's not the bad guy. We true. Think. There has uh, I, I have to bring this back uh, to damn Stevens like full circle damn because Stevens. they have damn. been talking about for years of uh, and it was hinted at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, about introducing Adam Warlock, and I think mm-hmm. he would Damn, be awesome. Stevens would be a great Adam Warlock, and I think we need to start like s- start that petition up immediately. Let's hashtag that. Let's hashtag it right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn Stevens for 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 Adam Warlock or Warlock, that would be great. I think that's yeah. uh, some of the most some of the best casting that I've ever come up with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am all for it. Yeah. All right, guys. That is that's the sixteenth episode. That's the four month anniversary, Kelly. I don't know how many podcasts you've done in your in your lifetime. I don't know if this is your first one or not, but we love the shit out of having you on this podcast. Well, thank you. I love being here. Um. So yeah, come, come back anytime. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You will most likely be asked within a few weeks. <laughs> sure. You awesome. Um. So Kelly, where could people, if you want them to find you on social media, where could people find that, find you? And also, do you have any, uh, like we talked about, offline any charities or organizations you want to promote? Um, so I am at Skelly McGovern on Twitter, Instagram, and charities. Uh, really, I'm just going to throw out any social justice cause that is near and dear to your heart right now. Um, there are communities suffering everywhere and they could use all the help they can get right now. And all we got is each other. So that's what I'm throwing out there. All right, man. Alphonse. Uh, you can follow me on the social medias at Al Manorino on Instagram. Uh, I am not doing a lot. I really should be doing more. And uh, I've mostly been taking photos of uh, animals at zoos because uh, it's the only thing that we can do with our sun outside that isn't uh, melting in our backyard. And then uh, Twitter, I am uh, dabbling very, very poorly into politics. So you can uh, check that out on Twitter. Just like we did when we worked with Kelly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, I don't know why anyone follows me on Twitter, but I'm at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, so this is dropping on Friday. I will have also been on the Bob Culture Podcast uh, talking about wrestling. 
So that's what I do a lot on my Twitter. And I guess look up Bob Culture. Rob is a former guest of ours. We've mentioned that episode. We're getting Bill Bodkin a few times. Um, but like Kelly was saying, there's a lot of people out there who need our help. Uh, the the protests, the marches, they haven't stopped. They're still out there. Just no one's covering it. So if you see it, retweet it. It definitely keeps it keep amplifying voices. Um, as I mentioned on a few podcasts, Black Lives Matter, uh, find that card online, donate there. Also, um, I have mentioned big wrestling fan, but right now, uh, the speaking out movement in pro wrestling is outing a lot of real pieces of shit. And it also, uh, a lot of people speaking about their trauma. So donate to rain R A I N N dot org helps sexual abuse survivors. Um, that would be a great charity for all you guys to donate to. Um, you want to check out pop break we have stuff on the site every single day the popbreak.com we are at popbreak.com all spelled out on twitter um forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on facebook at the popbreak on instagram of course if you can rate review subscribe to this podcast whether it's on itunes out slash apple Podcasts, spotify uh, google play wherever you can find our podcast check out uh, our other podcasts uh the breakcast which is on uh, apple podcast pop break tv which is going to be pushed out to a number of uh, sources real soon and um yeah that's it for kelly mcgovern for al manorino for damn stevens for the cast of hamilton and the always good looking shark from jaws my name is bill bodkin thanks for checking us out